Welcome back to the Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lenehan, and I'm excited to be sharing this episode in partnership with one of my oldest work collaborators, Primark. Or for those of you listening in Ireland, Pennies. I took a major turn in my career a few years ago when I realised the harmful impact fashion was having on our environment. I'm proud of the work Primark is doing to help initiate systemic change in the industry, and I'm delighted to help them spread the word on the plans that they have made to redefine what affordable, more sustainable products means to everyone over the next eight years and beyond. Today's episode offers a deep dive into Dublin's first net zero hotel, Ren Urban Nest. Tucked away on St Andrew's Lane in Dublin city centre, the sustainable safe haven offers guests a holistic, carbon neutral experience, from the sustainably sourced wine, food and coffee, to the high-tech systems that allow energy to flow freely and efficiently throughout the building. To learn more about the engineering and architecture behind the project, I spoke to Patrick Kavanagh and Michael Mullen from BDP, one of Ireland's leading architecture firms with a reputation for high quality and sustainable design. Michael leads the BDP Dublin Studio Architect team and was the lead architect on the hotel, while Patrick is an engineering associate, was the lead m engineer on this project and also leads BDP's Dublin Sustainability team. With the appetite for destinations like Wren growing, this conversation offers a fascinating insight into the challenges and triumphs of building a carbon-neutral hotel in a Georgian city. As always, if you enjoy this conversation, don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with a friend. Over to my conversation with Patrick and Michael. I had the pleasure of staying in the hotel just before Christmas and it did not disappoint. It is such an amazing project and I cannot wait to hear about, about it all. But before that, maybe you could just give us a little bit of insight into the other work that you've done because you've worked on some incredible projects. Sure. Well, it's probably it's probably worth saying that we're the sort of first generation of designers that sort of take sustainability as part of the day job and not as a sort of bolt-on. And so we approach sustainability in all our projects um as a as a company um and individually in the studio uh, in dublin uh, it, it's important to us and also to lead in, in the thinking uh, and not just uh, accept uh, what the industry is doing and, and we sort of pride ourselves of not just designing the building and then adding lots of sustainability bling um, you shouldn't be able to tell the project is very sustainable if it's really well designed and that's what we think uh, it happens at Ren Hotel. It's not all about just adding solar panels on the roof and then just taking a box and saying that you are sustainable. And like, there's there's a lot more to it, particularly with kind of complex buildings like hotels, offices, uh, educational buildings, retail. You know, so it's across the sector, we're pretty much involved in every single sector, um, whether it's kind of housing, leisure, um, commercial. And it, it, I suppose the same kind of, Whilst different solutions work with different sectors, the, sa- the same logic applies in that it's kind of starting with kind of first principles and trying to reduce energy initially, then kind of looking at your active systems and how you can design them in a smart way to either share energy or, you know, continue to reduce energy further. And then the last kind of step is adding all this kind of green wash and kind of the bling that you see a lot of other people advertising and just, you know, adding photovoltaics because, they, they can only do so much. It's about kind of reducing in the first instance and then it's tackling what you have left over. Um, so I suppose like as a company, um, I suppose BDP is an international design practice and kind of what sets us apart um, and probably makes us quite unique is that we are multidiscipline. So, you know, under the under the one 
roof in each studio, whether it's in, in Dublin, in London, Manchester, it's, I suppose we have architectural, we have uh, mechanical, electrical engineering, civil structural engineering, acoustics. And so that just allows us from the, you know, the very first moment that the kind of pencil touches the piece of paper, it, it, the canvas, it kind of lets us to start discussing and debating, you know, how we can improve on these things. So, you know, with, with the Wren in particular, that's, a, you know, one example, like M- Michael's in the meeting room there in BDP's Dublin studio. And like, I remember the very first day, it probably was back in 2016 at this, I'd say, Michael, was it when you first put yeah. pencil to paper? Like, I, I remember sitting down and brainstorming on, you know, how, how are we going to make this project different from what we've done before or what else is out there? Um, so yeah that, that makes it quite unique it also applies that it's more than just engineering or architecture and we like to think about you know and Ren, for example it was you know do the guests you know i guess are becoming more literate about these issues you know what would a literate uh, guest want to uh, have at a hotel in in dublin and how how can the the actual act of staying in a hotel in a foreign city uh, contribute or affect sustainability and you know our guests have a responsibility to touch the uh, ground lightly when they're and respect other cities um and so i think you know we started from that perspective even and you know yeah. you know when you're when you're with when you're working on a hotel project you have to think of the guest first and um, concentrate the value uh, to them and sort of make it as easy and sustainable as possible these days to stay in a hotel. I have to congratulate you on all of those fronts because like you said, Patrick, when you go into the hotel, it's so luxurious. It's such a gorgeous experience. You're not looking at solar panels in your face. There's nothing that, that comes at you specifically. It's just a gorgeous, very warm environment and it's only then when you go through the experience that you see the touch points or you you realize all the different systems that are in place to make it as you say uh, such a, a light touch and you've absolutely succeeded because when I stay there talking to other guests who were having coffees or who were milling around the lobby I mean everyone that I spoke to was there because of how much of uh, a sustainable carbon neutral experience it is. They were from all over Europe and it was the reason that they had chosen the hotel, which I think is so exciting that people are actually researching and doing that now. Thank God we're in a place where that's happening. But to come back to both of your points on when you started, I mean, anyone who visits will, will notice, like when I was even trying to find it, it's literally tucked away. The footprint is small but it's you've made use of every single inch so in terms of just even the design it's such a feat when you did have that blank page what were the first things that you decided were the most important to implement obviously the energy efficiency in the building is amazing yes i think the one of the things is it's not an international brand um and so we we didn't have a sort of corporate brief to follow and so we had to uh, like the name and the little bird um, we had to think about how the building could be clever and uh, stand up to its rivals um, and, and not shout hotel. You know, we start, we did start from the guest and we started from you know what the responsibility was. And actually, savvy travellers, you know, want to want to live in the city. It has to be experiential, and we purposefully didn't uh, have uh, a large front of house space. Uh, you know, we do see the guests as explorers. Um, so they would want to find the hotel and the hotel reveals itself uh, as you approach it um, uh, to the guest. And as part of the experience of getting there, you do feel that you are in Dublin. It's not it's not a greenfield site. It's right in 
uh, the city centre. It's with it's where things are happening. People don't choose to live that centrally. You know, it creates and it isn't taking up a key cultural site. It's actually just you know you feel like you are integrated with the experience of being in Dublin. And I think that was the starting point. And then how could we get that? Uh, how could we maximise the tributes? The entrance is located because the sun hits that spot on the site. You know, in the afternoon, you arrive in it with a sunny disposition in among the sort of streets and lanes of Dublin. Everything was considered. And you know, how do you make that uh, you know, work? Um, you know, we cantilevered that corner of the building so there was greater visibility around and it shortened the sort of uh, the streets and the feeling of walking down the, the sort of alleyways. So, yeah, you know, just all of those moves were all guest orientated and um, all to maximise the opportunities that the site presented and uh, you know we wanted to use the sort of with one elevation really to make a an impact um, and we had to make that do more than just a flat building and you know that's sort of where we started the conversations with Patrick and his team um, just then how could we use glass use the heat from the sun uh, that we get in the afternoon but but use it uh, to contribute to the guest experience and the <clears throat> low carbon and sustainability of the hotel. So every move, we had to be judicious with the budget. And so we like to use everything a few times to do a few things. We call it the, or I call it the Flan O'Brien effect, where people are half policemen and half bikes. You know, everything <laughs> has two uses. And so that sort of thinking about, our, you know, the, the Irishness of it and how we could uh, be clever with uh, everything we did because there wasn't space uh, and we did look at boat technology and you know, all of those things to sort of maximise every inch. If you take that like West facade as an example that Michael is referring to, I suppose it, that was really kind of the only facade given the existing constraints of the site with proximity to other buildings and, you know, fire control issues and things like that, that we that they could make a statement with. So, you know, typically in a building, you would see just a flat glazed elevation you know it's just it's just a straight elevation if, if you notice looking at the the Renner Urban Nest it's it has that kind of faceted facade where there's you know different panes are orientated in different directions and that wasn't just kind of by accident that was something that we actually spent a lot of time kind of modeling so we carried out um, you know energy analysis on the facade to look at where the sun was at certain points of the day and essentially whilst it is this kind of um, you know within our HVAC systems we've designed to pull that heat away and reuse it and store it in the hot water and um, we've also tried to minimize the peak and um, cooling load in the building by having that facade and um, faceted in areas so at any given time the sun can only be in one location so because some of the facade is facing kind of southwest and some of it's facing northwest you know half the facade is in the sun in one part of the day and the other half is at the other part of the in another part of the day so it's it's never the full facade in the in the one in the sun at the one time and what that allows you to do is, you know, reduce your plant sizes, it reduces your peak load and just makes your, your equipment a lot more efficient. So kind of very small things like that from an engineering perspective, you know, make a big difference. But then equally from Exchequer Street, you know, as you're passing by and you might not look down, you know, Andrew's Lane, it kind of can catch your eye because it's slightly different. It's not just that flat facade. And as, as Michael likes to say, it take, was it 104% of the site footprint is developed yes. upon, which is quite unique. That's the minimum size for a hotel room in Ireland. We cantilevered building over the street uh, because that then uh, gave us a hotel designation uh, with the rooms that size. So we used the cantilever and the counted facade 
angle facade to meet that criteria, but also, you know, so that the light, you know, from the bedrooms is visible from the tops and the bottom of the street. And then you get that sort of uh, passive supervision and overlooking uh, on the street to just make the guests feel more welcome as they walk. Uh, as they discover the building and, and it unveils itself to them. Guys, you, you make it sound like it's poetry. <laughs> it sounds like it, like when you're describing how you use the light, it reminds me of like Newgrange. It's that kind of like utilizing all these amazing natural things that we have at our fingertips in a completely innovative, such an exciting way. Imagine if half of the hotels in Ireland were, were designed like that, how much lower our energy footprint was. So it's so inspiring. And even though you're making it sound like poetry and I can't even imagine the brains that have put it together, I imagine it was really challenging at times. Do you each have your biggest challenge and biggest triumph when it came to, to designing this? I, I can go first because I can think of one straight away, Michael. <laughs> you can you can, you can uh, think about yours a little bit, procrastinate a little bit longer. I suppose mine and the, it was definitely, I suppose one of the, the challenges that as an engineer, I'm always going to have, particularly when we are on a multidisciplinary project, is that Michael and his architectural team sit on the floor above me when I'm designing this. And so, you know, inevitably we're looking for plant space, riser space for distribution of services. And to be fair to the guys, like they, with this, given the site constraints we had in the very small footprint, they wanted to deliver a quantity of bedrooms that at the time when I looked at it, thought there's no way we can fit as many hotel bedrooms within a single, within this building. And so we were challenged in terms of spatial constraints. So like our service zones, you know, Michael got to a point where he was actually printing to scale one-to-one sections of the risers and kind of showing me how big my risers were in person before it actually came to, to, to site. And so I would say that the, how tight everything was on that site, like hotels, no matter how sustainable you are, or how passive they are in terms of energy, the nature of them is they're very, very complex and there's a, there's a lot of equipment in them, you know, because at the end of the day, as we've kind of always said with the REN, it's you don't want to compromise on luxury. Like a guest is still looking for that and you're not going to bring, you know, you're not going to bring, I suppose, the general public or the guest along uh, or even the client for that matter if you give them something that they're not, they don't want. You know, they, 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 it still needs to take all the other boxes in terms of luxury and comfort. And so to do that, you need, you still need to provide, you know, all those, all that kind of nice lighting. You still need to provide hot water for the showers. You can't have a cold shower. You still need to provide like comfortable, comfortable rooms. And so it was just fitting the, the sheer quantity of services within that building and fitting it into such a tight footprint was probably the biggest challenge we had just in terms of coordination. It was, it was quite significant and quite a challenge to overcome. I think anyone who actually visits will definitely take a moment to thank you because it's so true it, it does like it's not a big space but the rooms were my room at least was gorgeous and I definitely didn't feel a compromise so, so that that's a massive achievement um Michael what about you any uh things that keep you so you still wake up in a cold sweat room well getting everything to fit in and it definitely won but that was the challenge and opportunity but I think the challenge was really you know planning from a planning perspective you know we delivered quite a lot you know new streetscape we had proposed new public realm uh, but Dublin City Council didn't want that uh because it was a lane um, but we were, you know, trying to do everything from the guest experience, you know, from the entrance uh, all the way. And there were opportunities at rooftop we would have liked to have taken um, so that guests could experience Dublin on the roof. But uh, we just couldn't uh, get that over the line in Georgian uh, Dublin. We did have 
a few a few goes at it but it would have been great to give the guests more an experience where they sort of come through the city in sort of through the tight streets and then up with a view over the city because there's so few viewing points that aren't commercialized in Dublin um, and so it would have been good to have something that the public were welcome to you know it's still you know people know that that's not there but it was a it, it was a long planning journey you know having the the terraces down into reception uh, that were uh, evocative of the old theatre that was there. And sort of we do hope to have tours starting at the hotel, you know, sustainable tours, walking tours, um, and, and people being able to sort of meet at that space uh, and be dry and use the sort of the front door as a, as really part of the city and uh, that meeting point for visitors to to meet again be part of the city is important to us it just sounds something you touched on there which is really interesting i mean there's so much press and talk around some of the challenges that people face with dublin city planning and maybe some of the the challenges that are there if you do want to do something exciting like creating a biodiverse rooftop in the middle of the city center when you look at your european counterparts and maybe even your different offices around the world do you think they have more scope when it comes to creating something like this? Would like, would you like to see more support for for initiatives like this that maybe okay push the boat out in terms of what's been done, but could actually really really help the city? Because to me that sounds amazing. I understand the logistics of it, but do you feel like maybe Ireland has a little bit of a way to go in stretching their imagination when it comes to these kind of designs? I think that's an architect and engineer's job to do that and to uh, to really you know use thinking in that regard. I and mean, we have a scheme. We have a couple of schemes around the city and in Galway, for example, one that's just completed that's another project, a sustainable, a very low energy project. It's almost finished. It's a workspace. Uh, We've designed decks between each of the floor plates so everybody gets an external space who works in the building. Um, And then it's got uh, rooftops. We've got a a scheme uh, like the, the children's hospital we're involved in has four hectares of roof garden. Things are moving in that the, and biodiversity on rooftops and using the fifth elevation, uh, we call it in the city, uh, to really create uh, landing sites and ecology for bee paths and things uh, are all considered as part of planning. So uh, we do see those opportunities and we do uh, grasp them. The reality is, is that not every project is going to be able to achieve that. So that there are always, I suppose, other stakeholders or there's other constraints. What excites you about these kind of buildings going forward? Obviously, they present lots of challenges, but I know you have, low, like you said, lots of other projects. Is it the energy saving side of things? Is it the fact that you get to see people actually wanting the product that you've been working on? Like, what is the most exciting part for you working in this field and working on things like rent? It's really important to see people's feedback and that the people that use our buildings are excited by the thinking that we've put into them. And it's quite hard to sometimes communicate that as, a, as architects and engineers. Um, and Ren, because we also developed the brand and the sort of identity behind it, uh, we were able to sort of, you know, put sustainability at the heart of the, uh, the brand values. And so, you know, we were able to communicate the, those early pen sketches right through to the technical stages through the to, to the operational phases and the client has been brilliant you know uh, signing up the food app uh, so that the food isn't wasted uh, signing up to no plastic uh, being used uh, so really you know um, as a as a sort of uh, the first hotel that, that they own they sort of lead with conviction has has been great and the feedback that we get from guests helps us enjoy that and then bring the thinking further uh, for the next project, um, you know, we are sort of now moving from, you know, into stored carbon and trying to reduce, you know, further 
the carbon that's stored in the buildings and you know the compact room allows us uh, to have less carbon per bed space uh, than standard hotels um, as well as less carbon in use um, and carbon in construction so um, uh, for the same for the same output so it is uh, it's interesting where that the next steps of that can go and we look uh, to our international studios who are uh, building in timber building quite tall structures in timber now and you know how, we can't do that in Ireland yet because of the regulatory background but in terms of structure that will be the next place to go. Like for me what's exciting is that you know I've been working in this industry for over 10 years now I spent a bit of time in Australia working as a sustainability consultant and for a, for a very long time you know some of these ideas and some of this design intent you know from I, I would say from a relatively select few has been there and there, there are lots of projects that probably, you know, had that potential, but, you know, it's only really now starting to kind of be adopted by the wider, you know, the wider public or even say clients. I think it's becoming, it's becoming more topical. And, and what that really means is that rather than, I suppose, when I, you know, on this project, we, as Michael said, we were very lucky. We had a client who was very interested in our concept and was willing to come along with us on the journey and equally you know, the, the operator hospital, uh, more in hospitality, you know, have taken, taken it and run with it and signed up to the too good to go app and all of, you know, procured everything um, from local, you know, um, sustainable sources. But, you know, in, on so many projects over the last decade, I've been up against it, trying to convince people to do these things. And what we're finding now and kind of even, even better to see is kind of the, the younger generations coming through who this really is important to. You know, like there, there was nothing more powerful than I think it was probably three years ago now seeing like school children marching about climate change. You know, that that's a it's a powerful image. And, and really what when we're building and designing buildings today, it's going to be that generation who are actually using the buildings for most of its life. You know, this building will be around for 60 years, years, 70 years. And so, you know, that's the that's the generation we need to be thinking of in the next generation. You know, there, so what's exciting to me is what's coming down the line and how it is finally being adopted by all and it's not kind of the minority, it's the majority who are now looking at this and focusing on it. So really it's going to give us more of an opportunity to be innovative and to complete buildings like this. You know, it's, it's not a case of it kind of being left on the cutting room floor very early on when they decide, you know, let's just do what we've done before. That's, that, that's what I find exciting about it. I also think there's some lovely little things, you know, where we've managed to use the building to improve the air quality in the streets around because we're taking in the air, filtering it and uh, um, outputting better quality air to this couple of streets around, uh, which is a, a great thing for a building to do in the city centre location like this. One of the biggest elements of this, of Brown Urban Nest in particular, is just that there is zero fossil fuels. There's no gas connection whatsoever. And it's like it, the challenges of achieving that, it doesn't sound that difficult, but it's very difficult to achieve, particularly in a hotel building where, you know, given its use, hot water and heating is a large element of it. And so, and even in the kitchen, you know, convincing the chef that the chef is great in the Ren Urban Nest, he got on board straight away. But before him, I was talking with operators and different chefs and they wanted to cook with gas. That's just what they've cooked with for the last 20 years, you know. So it, like it's, 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 there's kind of been a journey getting there, but having a building that there is no flu, there's no local pollution, you know, it's not burning any fossil fuel. So it's not, it's not contributing to any local pollution whatsoever. It's not contributing to this heat island effect. So if you've ever been in New York in summer, you know, it's, you'll, you'll know it's warmer in New York City than it is outside of New York City. And the reason for that is that 
all the buildings in New York are basically cooling on the inside and just rejecting all this heat into the street. And so then the air conditioning units have to work even harder again. It's just a constant cycle. Whereas in this building, what we're doing is just was we're taking that uh, that heat and when we're cooling the building, we're just putting it straight into our hot water. So we're capturing as much heat as we possibly can to generate hot water for free and at a very low cost. So the sun is heating your shower water? If you watch TV in, in the Ren Hotel, the heat that's generated from watching TV, as well as it being captured and being transferred across to the heating side and ultimately ends up um, heating the hot water that you use for your shower. On behalf of everyone who has stayed or who is, who, who is yet to stay, I would like to thank you for creating this little escape in the city and for setting such an amazing example, because hopefully now that it exists, Lots of other developers will get a nudge and we'll see what a great example has been set and what can be achieved. Can't wait to see the next projects that you have coming down the line. All right, thank you, Joe.